like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. Woo. Walk it like I talk it. You walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. Woo. Walk it like I talk it. Hey, walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. Woo. Walk it like I talk it. Talk it, walk it like I talk it. Hey, walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. You. Hey y'all, so we record on Wednesdays, and as you may or may not have been made aware, on Wednesday night, Austin P beat number one Vanderbilt at baseball. Uh, a tremendous program-defining win for the Govs. We'll have a lot more in here about that next week, but just want to say how proud we are of the boys for getting it done down on West End tonight. Uh, great job, guys. Go Govs. And now here's the rest of the podcast. You're listening to the PCAST. Each week we take you around Austin P, the Athletics Department, sometimes Clarksville, and occasionally the OVC to give you the full scope of what's unfolding around us. I am Colby Wilson. He is Dylan Schwartz. And is there no end to crossover season? Not when you have successful basketball programs poised for running the OVC tournament. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Dylan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing all right. So, uh, hey, the weather's nice today. Today? For the first time in Although, a while. when you're hearing this, it probably has changed in about 50 degrees and raining, but... If as high as fifty degrees, if we're being totally honest, it's it's that fun part of the year where I'm very thankful to be the basketball SID because we don't get weather delays very often. Although you do have to sometimes drive on a bunch of snow and ice covered roads four hours from Illinois. That does happen occasionally, but you know we soldier on, and the smart ones of us leave the driving in those conditions to the bus driver, and the people who are me do not do that. <laughs> Uh, anything else from last week? Oh, the dogs last Friday. That was fun for the, uh, the SAC, uh, mental health awareness week. I uh, had some, some, oh God, my mind's gone blank. What do you call those? Dogs. No. <laughs> ha ha ha. Yeah. He's clever. He's I, do, I honestly don't know what you're getting at here. The, but <laughs> the therapy dogs. That's okay. what I was, that's what I was going for. Yeah. I knew what dogs were. <laughs> Gosh. Anyway, that was a lot of fun. Uh, in a brief 15-minute moment of peace around a week that was just jam-packed with stuff and events, and especially home events for whatever reason. And <laughs> when you contrast that with this week where there is one, it was quite hectic. But we'll get into all that later on. First, to men's basketball, two more wins in a season that has been full of victories for the Governors. Some facts about Austin Peay's winning ways this season which now stands at 21 victories the first 21 season since 2011 it's the fastest the govs have won 20 games since 2003-4 uh when in terms of just number of games played and it's quickest by date since 1977 it's the first time the govs enjoyed 10 wins and home victories in back-to-back seasons since 2010-2011 the 13 ovc wins currently the most since 2011 Head coach Matt Figger is the first Austin P head coach with 10-plus conference wins in each of his first two seasons. And if they get one victory in this weekend's uh, season-ending road trip, it will be the most road wins since 1973. So I still think that the Govs fly under the radar a little bit just based on who else is in this league. But that is an impressive resume for any program, regardless of what league you're in, to to hit all those benchmarks and milestones, I don't care who you are, that's pretty good. 
looking back at last week, uh, the Southeast Missouri game, after Terry Taylor's 42 points against Moorhead State, it wasn't out of the question to expect a bit of a drop-off from him. Uh, Simo came out and hit 10 of 13 to start, really put the governors on their heels early, but fortunately there was Jabari McGee. Uh, McGee, the graduate transfer, had 18 points and 19 rebounds, the most rebounds by Gov since 2016. His three-point playoff of a rebound, putback, and foul was the pinnacle of a game-changing 12-2 run that put the Govs ahead for good and earned them win number 20. Also off the bench, Isaiah Hart had a career-high 13 as he continues to fill that instant offense role with Dayton Gum's sideline. And the bench really did a great job against Southeast Missouri of picking up some of the starters and, you know, some, there's foul trouble, there's just general, you know, some, sometimes guys don't have it on a given night. And so for Hart and for McGee to step up the way they did, that was really the difference for the Governors against Southeast Missouri. Turn to Saturday, senior night, emotions always run high. Uh, it's it's a it's more than just a basketball game on that night. For a lot of guys, it's four or five years culmination of a lifetime of hard work. Uh, it's a very special moment. Uh, if you're Steve Harris and <laughs> your parents are running in at the very very last second, I'm sure it's also a little bit hectic in that regard as well. Zach Lotta too. He told me uh, this morning that his wife Ashley, it, he was looking around for her as the ceremony got started, and she was sprinting into the Dunn Center as well. So it, it's a big night for everybody. Glotta in particular had one to remember. 26 points, eight three-pointers against UT Martin. Career highs, the three-mark, one short of the program record. Uh, if he's hitting shots, the governors are just about impossible to beat. And it was good that he was hitting the shots because non-Glotta governors struggled to a 37% shooting mark in the first half but rallied in the second. Taylor scored 12 of his 25 points in the game-clinching run that saw the Govs outscore UT Martin 30-19 to over the final 10 minutes. And the guys finished the regular season home slate at 10-2, and two, scoring nearly 92 points per game at home. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, no, the, the ridiculous is the plus 23.8 oh scoring margin. I, it's just – I mean, I know that a couple of the home games are patsy games to pad the stats and get people in and just get some work at home. But those are just – those are insane numbers. Yeah. On the women's side, again, um, ending their home season at the Dunn Center. And both of these games went down to the wire, and they really needed to hold on for at least one of the wins because um, come going into this last weekend of play, the Govs still hold a two-game lead over the eighth and ninth place spots in the OVC. And if they, you know, they, they go one and one, uh, spoiler alert, one and one on the, on the weekend last week. But if they go... 0 oh, and 2, they're looking at being at um, 8 and 8 in the OVC and just one game ahead of two teams and tied with two others for that um, for that last spot. There's basically five teams playing for four spots at the moment, and the Govs are the only team with at least nine wins in the OVC. Uh, against SEMO, which they ended up getting the win against, um, was really a game where they wanted to try to get some revenge. They thought they had the game in control at SEMO back in January. We were up eight late in the third quarter and ended up losing that game by 10. Um, it was kind of a low-scoring affair 
in in the first half. The Red Hawks led by one with the score in the low 20s, and then it kind of erupted, especially on the SEMO side. SEMO um, stretches out to a nine-point lead with about four minutes to go in the third quarter, led by their star guard, Tezia Thompson, who finished with a game-high 24 points and 12 rebounds on 10 of 20 shooting. Um, but there was a point where she did not record um, a point or a rebound for 11 minutes, and that is when the Govs made their run uh, in the fourth quarter. Again, um, going into the fourth quarter, down six points for the second straight game, and then using a 7-0 run at the start to go ahead. It was an overall an 11-1 to run as Maggie Knowles especially hitting clutch shot after clutch shot. Um, the Governor's only shot 16 for 53, which is only just above 30%. Knowles went 4 of 6 from the three-point line herself, and that uh, cool stat here is the 16 of 53, while not a great shooting percentage, was actually the exact same number the Gov shot in the away game at SEMO, and they ended up winning one of the games at least. But uh, Knowles was really the, the catalyst for that Austin P run, and they were able to you know fend off that late SEMO charge with, again, Thompson trying to take over. Um, interesting, she did not take the final three-pointer to try to win the game for the Red Hawks. It was taken by um, Audretta Murphy, who only had two points at the time. So maybe a you know weird decision there, but the Gus played good defense and ended up getting a win to, at the time, move to the 9-6 and six in the OVC. Uh, against UT Martin on senior day, uh, Michaela Campbell, Logan Carger, and Keisha Gregory were honored for their contributions to the Austin P uh, program, and all three seniors got the start. Um, and they really cont- uh, contributed immediately. Uh, you had uh, Campbell score the first bucket of the game. Carger um, had some active hands, drew a steal, and then drew a foul on a nice box out on the next possession. Uh, Gregory hit a three early on and finished with a game-high 19 points as well uh, on her last appearance in the Dunn Center. And it was really a tale of two different games because in Martin, as you remember, you know, they were down 26-6 after one quarter. I mean, that was just a start that you never want to have in any sort of basketball game again. Um, Govs led by one in the uh, after the first quarter, and then the second quarter just erupted. Went on a 17-0 run. Um, they were playing great defense. It's not like they were just hitting every single shot because um, the Govs only went 4-11 from the field on and, you know, outscored the Skyhawks by 10. But on this after the 17-0 run, the Skyhawks, you know, creeped it you know they kept creeping back and cut it to just uh an 11 point deficit it was up to 18 at one time i believe or 17 i believe at one time um so for them to get it down to at least what they thought was a manageable deficit was really big um going into the third quarter again it was just kind of the skyhawks maybe getting a bucket here a bucket there getting a stop there and suddenly it was only a six-point game going in the fourth quarter. So now the Gus were down six with the last two games against Murray State and Simo in one. Now they're up six and trying to fend off the Skyhawks charge, and um, you know it, it ended up uh, failing because you know Skyhawks went 14 to 24 in the second half. And when you compare that to the Govs, just seven of 30, you know bad things are probably going to happen. Unfortunately, um, they still had their chances though. Um, up one with about 20 seconds left. Freshman Demaya Griffin for the Skyhawks put in a uh, layup on a great. P. Fair is a good post move. Um, put the Sky, uh, Skyhawks up one. Some good defense on Keisha Gregory. They doubled her. Um, but with the second left, it was a good look for Ari Gonzalez Varner for the game winner. Just ended up hitting the back rim and going out. And if they're, that shot's able to fall, the Guns would have moved into the top four in the OVC. So they look at that maybe as a missed 
opportunity. However, you know, I think the Govs would be pretty confident if they saw the Skyhawk team again because for, again, if you look at the eight quarters they've played, you see the Govs have, you know, lost both games, but they've had the majority of the play over those eight quarters, just, you know, putting together a full 40 minutes. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them play the Skyhawks up in Evansville. I think that would be a that'd be a very high quality matchup as well. Track and field, as we uh, mentioned last week, we're wrapping up as we were recording. Uh, a big day two showing bumped the Govs up to a top five finish as a team for the fifth time in six seasons. Um, the Govs picked up. 54 points on day two, a pretty incredible total. Uh, a lot of that came in the pole vaults. Savannah Amato won. Daisha Hicks got silver. Business as usual across the board pretty much. Uh, good for Savannah to get her sixth straight gold medal in this event. And great for Daisha Hicks, who erased the memories of that surprising no height at last year's outdoor championships. Uh, a very good showing by her as well. Over in the triple jump, uh, freshman Cameron McClellan just missed a podium that was swept by seniors after hitting a personal best by nearly three feet, just short of 40 feet overall. Uh, gotta expect that, that that was that was for one a big big step up for her. She had been expected to get points, but wasn't expected maybe to challenge like she did for a spot on the podium. And with those three seniors being gone next year, yeah, you got to expect that either in outdoor season or certainly next season we'll start seeing Cameron McClellan on the podium at these OVC events. In the 60 hurdles, Lennox Walker earned her first gold and the first gold in the indoor hurdles since 2002. Got a quick lead out of the blocks. Uh, a couple of runners clipped the hurdles, and Lennox left everybody else in the dust uh, as she posted her season best. In the 60-meter dash, not a gold, but a very nice school record for Timothy Tolbert, who became the first runner in program history with a sub-7.5-second 60-meter dash. She lost out on silver by thousandths of a second, so close that they couldn't even break it down into the thousandths of a second on the scoring sheet. And she's an even better outdoor 100-meter runner. Like, she's good in the 60, but outdoor is really where she shines. And I, I expect her to be among the favorites as we move into outdoor season. Close with Sabrina Richmond, who is all over the place for the governors down in Birmingham. Picked up silver in the 400-meter dash, her specialty. Bronze in the 200-meter, thanks to a career-best 24.39 mark. And earned another bronze alongside Kyra Wilder, Amelia Tessing, and Jessica Kelly in the 4x400-meter relay, which closed out the event. Overall, a success, uh, I think, for the governors who don't have really an indoor facility to train in. Uh, the the trappings of indoor are just so it's so difficult to be really 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 good if you don't have an indoor facility we're a better outdoor team and now it's time for the governors to prove that as we move into outdoor season for the baseball team it it, it seems like every sp every time they start their season weather messes it up um, and that's what it did with the mule mix classic this past week and the govs did get in three games though and we're probably even lucky to do that. And they started against Bradley, and they took the Braves two extras after rallying twice. Uh, Garrett Spain, the freshman outfielder, kept on hitting. Two more hits against the Braves, and then five 
in the doubleheader against Northern Illinois um, two days later, and he now has a six-game hit streak to open the season. Against Northern Illinois, the Sun finally came out, and, and so did the Sticks for the Cubs, especially Parker Phillips, who homered in the first, homered again in the third, and then he goes, you know what, I'm going to do it again, and homered again in the fifth, because you're going to keep pitching to me after I've already hit two home runs in three innings, so might as well do it again. Um, the Govs won 15-3 to in game one, and didn't really break a sweat in doing so. Game two saw David Martinez pick up a three-hit game that included a three-run double in the third that really broke open a tie game and, and put the Govs ahead for good. Uh, two batters later, Bobby Head um, cranked his second homer of the weekend, and the Govs strolled to a pretty matter-of-fact 8-3 to win, sweeping the doubleheader for their first two wins of 2019. Yeah, on Parker for a second, I don't, okay, fine, you homer in the first, that happens, Parker hits a lot of homers, you homer again in the third, well, oh, guess this guy's got it today. Yeah. What are you doing pitching to him in the fifth? Ah, I mean, I know it's early, but man, come on. Sometimes there's just some strategy to these things. Maybe it's more of a pride thing. Like, this guy's not going to We're going to get, get him this time. Yeah. No, no, you're not. Over on the softball diamond, the Govs enjoyed a nice weekend as a team, but let's just talk about Morgan Rackle. In game one of the series against McNeese State, she tossed a three hit shutout for the Govs, who won 4 nothing. which that's a good start to a weekend. Then she came out and. The next day and started game two and threw a 16-inning complete game, <laughs> holding off the Cowgirls in a 2-1 contest that finally ended when Natalie Schilling drew a walk, stole second, and scored on Casey Acres' single. The longest game in program history by four innings. <laughs> it's quite the... And Rackle threw all 217 pitches, striking out a program record 16 in the process. She didn't pitch in game three, but probably could have. And offensively, Carly Madsen still hitting 386. Seven of her 17 hits have gone for extra bases. Uh, the Govs did not pick up a win in the one-off game against Lamar on Sunday, but overall, a very successful trip down south over the weekend. For men's golf, they... Went to Auburn, which had a tough, tough field. Not really getting ready for the OVC play. This is more of what you'd expect to see at a NCAA regional event. Um, it was highlighted by Austin Lancaster getting an eagle on the final day. Uh, Chase Cordy and uh, Micah, is it Knizzly? Nicely. Nicely. There's the German again, because KN is Kn But anyway, um, both shot an even par 72 in the final round, and Cordy was just one of five players in the field to average below par on par three holes. So you definitely had... Um, good areas to you know to improve on and also had uh, good areas on on some of um, the stuff that happened there you saw the the par three holes I just mentioned on on Cordy and Lancaster getting eagle so there was signs of of progress and potential here for the Govs against you know it was really a pretty good field for collegiate golf yeah and I think one of the things to remember about them too is that it's, st it's still a very young team you got nicely as a freshman Cordy and Garrett Whitfield who are sophomores no seniors are getting any kind of, of action in this lineup. It's all junior, sophomore, freshman-led, and I think they have the potential to be very good, but you're also you're going to take lumps when, you, when you're when you a young team like this and you're going to face, gosh, three top 25 programs, a couple of conference champions from a year ago. Like, that, that was a stacked field. Player of the week, Morgan Rackle. I, I believe we highlighted yeah, pretty for, for every possible conceivable reason why. Uh, but congrats to her. 
probably not going to be the last time we say that this season. But we'll take a break, wrap this up, and bring in Bailey DeHart you know, of the Austin P Marketing Department right after this. You know, so we ain't really never had no old money. We got a whole lot of new money, though. Hey! Raindrop, drop top, drop top, smoking, no cooking, the hot box. Cooking, on your bitch, yeah, that, that, that. Cooking up in the crock pot pot. We came from nothing to something. Hey! I don't try nobody to grit the trick. Nobody call up the gang and they come and get gang. Cry me a river, give you a tissue. It's bad and bullshit. Bad. Cooking up with a oozing. My nigga's a savage, ruthless. We got thudders and hundred rounds too. My bitch bad and Bailey Hart knows how to use her position to her advantage. Take this week, for instance. The Austin P. Marketing Assistant conned friend of the pod, Emily Moore, one of her student workers, into picking her to appear as this week's guest, which seems like an incredible abuse of power to me, but it's lovely to have you, even if you game the system to get here. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so, why marketing? Uh, so when I first went to college, I went for physical therapy and I actually hated the classes because so in high school I was an athletic trainer. So all the classes I was taking my first two years were actually the classes I took in high school. So I like hated going because it was everything I already knew. So I actually wanted to drop out because I didn't want to do the classes anymore. So my mom convinced me to stay and I realized like I still want to do something with sports so I switched over to sports marketing and that's where I'm at well this is <laughs> not going to be an advertisement for um, people to be high achieving scholastically uh, that'll that'll eliminate a few questions <laughs> <laughs> why Austin P so my old boss at Louisiana Tech actually knew Sam and he texted me over the summer and asked if I wanted to come work here. And at the, that time, I didn't have any job offers. So this was the only thing I had. So I interviewed, and here I am. I guess we're lucky nobody else wanted you. <laughs> you kind of touched on this a little bit, but what is it about athletics that you want to be, that made you want to stay involved in it? So my junior year at Louisiana Tech, I started interning in athletics. And just, like, the first, like, game day for football, like, it just, like, really, like, felt like that was where I was supposed to be. Like, just the atmosphere and, like, getting to see all the, like, behind-the-scenes stuff and, like, how everything, like, comes to be. Like, I just really enjoyed that. What do you wish outsiders understood about this job? <sighs> how long it takes to plan everything. <laughs> Full stop? <laughs> Full stop. Okay. Um could you please tell me about your favorite night at Rev? Oh, my God. Who did you... Uh, okay. I have sources. <laughs> um, I don't know if I could really tell you about it, because I don't know if I remember it so much. That's even better. <laughs> um, there is a lot of nights at Rev. So, <laughs> it's the only bar in Reston, Louisiana that you can go to, like, other than just, like, a sit-down, like, bar. Like, it's the only, like place you can go and dance and just drink so most of my nights were spent there <laughs> I see. could you tell us how you burned your leg with your curling iron oh god okay so that was the worst day ever <laughs> so <laughs> i remember <laughs> so it was my birthday and i was curling my hair and i like went to turn it and i somehow dropped it 
and because I was like sitting on the ground, it landed on my leg. And me being the smart person that I am, I went to pick it up and grabbed it by the hot part. So I immediately dropped it again and it just like sat there. So it was a third degree burn that we <laughs> figured out when I went to the doctor and it took about three weeks to finally heal. <laughs> I've got more embarrassing things. This is going to okay. take a minute. Um, <laughs> would you tell me how good tacos have to be for you to drive two hours each direction to get them? Oh, okay. So Torchy's Tacos is probably the absolute best place. But me and my roommate in Louisiana, she like came home one day and we had been talking about Torchy's. And there's one in Tyler, Texas, which is about two and a half hours from Louisiana. And she was like, do you want to go? And I was like, we have nothing else to do, so why not? So we made it a Sunday tradition. <laughs> I could see a one-off, <laughs> but making it a tradition for a five-hour round trip every Sunday is yeah. a lot of Well, they commitment. have $3 mimosas on Sundays. So we'd go drink a little and hang out in Tyler and then come back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, where are you from originally? Uh, Midlothian, Texas. So it's like 30 minutes south of Dallas. Okay. Uh, so the Texas versus Tennessee thing, I asked Taylor about this a couple of weeks ago. Now I want to hear your opinion about the, the similarities and differences. I feel like it's pretty similar. Like, so like Midlothian is kind of like that smaller town, but still close to the city, kind of like Clarksville is. And so it's like a 30 minute drive to Dallas for me. And it's there are a like, hundred thousand people here. Okay, well, Midlothian's smaller than that. <laughs> Figured it was. <laughs> but, like, it still kind of has that, like, same, like, like homey feel. Like, the people are nice for the most part. <laughs> but moving here, like, it wasn't that big of a difference. Like, going from Texas to Louisiana is a big difference. But, like, Texas to Tennessee is kind of similar. What would your dream job be? I want to work for the Texas Rangers. Doing what? Marketing and social media. Why is that? I've been like the biggest Texas Rangers fan my entire life. So just year after year of disappointment. Pretty much. <laughs> um, what's the weirdest thing you've ever done to get on the Jumbotron at a game? I don't know if I've ever been on the Jumbotron at a well, game. Well, I know for a fact that's a lie. Okay. Well, I was on it a few weeks ago at basketball. <laughs> well... A little birdie told me there's a situation where you were balancing a food box on your head to appear on the Jumbotron. Okay, well, there wasn't to be on the Jumbotron, but it was at one of the basketball games at Tech, and my boss was trying to balance them on my head to see if we could, like, keep it straight. There's a video. <laughs> I, so I get to, you're going to send it to me, or do I have to, like, go hunt for it myself? I'll send it to you. Okay, good. All right, so... That's the part where we find out about your background and how clumsy you are, and <laughs> yeah, boy, the the curling e even what's it four months later, the curling iron story still, I was gonna say curls my toes, but that's a little too <laughs> on the nose. Um, what is your favorite word? Favorite word? Uh, okay, my mom really hates it, but me and my sister like to say bet a lot, and she'll she'll like hit us every time we say it. <laughs> What is your least favorite word? Okay. I don't really have, like, a least favorite, but, like, I like, so my friends, like, their least favorite words, I really enjoy saying them to them a lot just because I know it annoys them. 
<laughs> okay. That probably makes me mean, but... Yeah, but... <laughs> okay, so what are they? Uh, my sister really hates moist. So we'll try to work it in, like, every conversation we have with her just to annoy her. So, like, when we go to the store, we'll specifically buy things that say moist on it to give to her. So you just got, like, a mountain of boxes <laughs> of moist towelettes and stuff? A lot of them. <laughs> Who or what inspires you? Uh, okay. I want to say, so my old boss, David Pillen, he was kind of the reason, like, I got into working in athletics and just, like, him being there, like, along the way, like, showing me how to do different things and, like, helping me, like, grow in my career, like, seeing how like he's gone from certain places and like where he's gone like that's really inspired me and made me want to like follow in that path kind of what's the last book <coughs> you read for fun for fun uh oh, so okay so i just started reading a book <laughs> it's called how to date guys when you hate guys <laughs> huh. i found it i don't think i <laughs> All the follow-up questions that occur to me, I don't think I can ask. <laughs> I found it at Target, and it was like $5, and my friend had been, like, texting me about it, and she thought it was really good, so I just bought it. <laughs> Any useful information in there so far? Uh, I've read two pages, so no. <laughs> so you've almost got through the introduction. Okay. <laughs> What's your worst habit? My worst habit? Probably being late <laughs> all the time. What is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Uh, so I was telling Sam about this the other day at the basketball game. But when I was little, there was a tornado. And so me and my dad had gone fishing. And while we're fishing, this, like, tornado pops up. And we're, like, trying to, like, race the tornado home. And it's, like, you can look out the back window of the truck and, like, see it. Like, it's just there. <laughs> So it's pretty terrifying, and the big reason that I hate storms now. I can imagine. <laughs> What's your idea of happiness? Uh, just being surrounded by people that like I enjoy being with and that are positive and happy. What's your idea of misery? Okay, well, I I'm not going to say what I want to say. But <laughs> no, that's okay. That's a safe <laughs> place. I was going to say coming to work. <laughs> I'm not sure it's that safe a place. <laughs> um, I really hate, like, talking in front of, like, big crowds. But you spent a month angling to get on a podcast where people could hear you. Yeah, but, like, you're the only one technically right now that's hearing me. You know I'm not keeping this a secret, <laughs> like, right? No, but, like, I'm just talking to you. Like, I'm not having to talk to, like, millions of people. Well, okay, that's true. <laughs> What makes you... Wait, hold on, stop a second. Uh, what crowd were you speaking in front of that was millions of people deep? I mean, none. But, like, my speech class in college, I was terrified. Was the whole campus? <laughs> it was, like... It was a good amount of people. Not not millions. <laughs> like. Okay, well, I... I guess that bleeds into what makes you self-conscious, which is the next question. <laughs> Talking in front of people. <laughs> okay. What is the most embarrassing song that you love? 
Oh gosh. I feel like it's probably gonna be bad and bougie. <laughs> what wait, no, that's not no, I won't nope. I won't let that be the case. That's not I love that song. <laughs> oh gosh. Um I don't know if it's like embarrassing, but like I feel like it's weird that I know every word. But it's I hit it first. <laughs> By Ray J. <laughs> I'm learning so much today. How would you prefer to die? Okay, so this is the, probably the weird thing about me, but I want to die on my birthday. <laughs> like, I, I want to die on my birthday, so, like, I'm the exact, like, age. <laughs> I assume this is a birthday in the very distant future. Yeah, like, That's years a away. Celebration day. Um,. <laughs> If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? Honestly, like, probably like a cat or a dog. Just because I feel like they have the best life. Like, they don't have to do anything. They just lay around all day. Everybody picks dogs. I don't blame them. What might prompt you to lie? Uh, knowing that my parents are going to listen to this. (laughs) Okay. Do you want me to ask any follow-ups, or should we just move on? I mean, sure. <laughs> what is it that you might need to be keeping from them? Uh, all the times I go out. Oh, I feel like my mom already knows. Like, she texted me the other day, like, asking me about something that I've done. And I don't know how she knows, because I've blocked her on all my social media, so she can't see. You blocked your mom? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't want her to see that I was going out. <laughs> Man. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. What makes you hopeful? <laughs> um, just knowing that, like, even if you're having a bad day, like, it's always going to get better. Like, there's always something better out there. Like lying to your parents on social media. Yep. What is our purpose in life? <coughs> uh... I would say, like, just to be the happiest and, like, best person that you can be and inspire others. No. <laughs> you got other things. That that was that was too practiced and rehearsed. You've got something else in the chamber. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, just to, like, always live your life. Like, just have fun. <laughs> do what makes you happy. What do you want to do? Like, I know you, the dream job with the Rangers, but, like, overall, what do you want to do with yourself in the future? I assume you don't want to be Sam's assistant for the rest of your life. No, not really. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Like, I want to work in college athletics for a while. Like, my dream job would be with TCU and then going from there to the Rangers. But just, I kind of just want to, like, travel to a bunch of different colleges. Because then, like, you can work, but then you're in a different place, so you get to see other places. That makes sense, and you get the opportunity to do that when you're early in your career, too. Mm -hmm. And I've no doubt that you will be great wherever you go, and we just hope that you don't leave here in the near future, even though you probably (laughs) will. It'll be a bummer. (sighs) (laughs) Bailey DeHart, thank you for coming in and joining me today. I had fun, and you are embarrassed. (laughs) Most likely. Drop top, drop top, smoking, no cooking, a hot box.
Keep on your bitch, yeah, that, that, yeah. Cooking up from the crock pot. We came from nothing or something. I don't try nobody, grip the trigger. Nobody. Call up the gang and they come and get you. Cry me your river, give you a tissue. It's bad and bullshit. Cooking up with a ooze. My nigga's a savage roof. We got thudders and hundred rounds too. My bitch is bad and bullshit. Cooking up with a ooze. My nigga's a savage roof. We got thudders and hundred rounds too. Big thanks to Bailey DeHart for being our guest this week. The end of Crossover is in sight, I promise. But only one home event this weekend among all that is out there, which that's some strategic planning right there. Seven events on Saturday alone in five different locales, I believe. It's a, it's a long and spread out day, no doubt. The end of basketball's regular season is here with two trips to the Bluegrass State. On the men's side, the Governors took care of business the last time around against EKU, but this is a little bit different. The Colonels are fighting for their very lives and need a positive result out of the weekend to help them keep pace and earn a spot in the upcoming OVC tournament. And with them hosting both the Govs and Moorhead State, this is one of the more dangerous trap games on the weekend. Govs can ill afford to look ahead to anything on Thursday. Obviously, the big story here is going to be the matchup between Nick Mayo of EKU and Terry Taylor of Austin P. Probably, I won't say definitely the two best forwards in this league, just because Belmont's Dylan Windler also deserves a place in that discussion, but certainly on the short list of guys who matter in this league and can swing a result with one huge performance. We've seen it several times this year from Taylor where he's just put the guns on his back and led them to victory. And the same could be said of Nick Mayo. Uh, now a senior, still has not enjoyed t the the first appearance in the OVC tournament. He's got to be feeling it heading into the last weekend of his career. This is going to be a dangerous EKU team. The Govs cannot afford to take anything for granted here, especially because EKU can score a lot and have done so all year. But they also give up a lot and have done so all year. This is going to be a very quick, very fast-paced, very up-and-down game. And Richmond is a tough place to play. It, it always has been. The Govs have enjoyed a lot of success there, but it's very well-earned success when they have gotten it. So very, very interested to see what EKU has in store for the Governors. I think this is going to be – obviously, once you're into this time of the season, I think everything has a very tournament feel to it, but this even more so because EKU – Every day is in tournament mode. They have to win to survive in advance. And then that leads us, obviously, into the Murray State rematch on Saturday. I think the nationally televised contest earlier this month proved the Govs aren't going to be punked just because the Racers have a guy who appears frequently on SportsCenter. They aren't afraid of Moran, which is the only way to play this kind of contest. You can't go in and awe of a guy just because his name is on the short list of the lottery. You've got to you play who's in front of you, and you play him to the best of your ability. And the Govs did that the last time we got together with the Racers back on Valentine's Day. My personal plan that wouldn't work because I do this and I don't coach, Morant's going to get his. He's too good not to get his. 
shut down everybody else. Maybe he's the best player in the league. Maybe he isn't. But I'd posit that two through five in the lineup, Austin P has, to me, a clear advantage. I'd take Porter Button over anybody else on Murray's team. And down from there, I'd take Steve Harris over whoever their number three is and so forth and so on. I I think that the Govs have a better team. I think that Morant has proven time and again that he is at least as good as advertised in many respects. I think there are some things that his explosiveness buys him a little bit of grace, but this is going to be a really, really fun game, and it's going to be it's going to be a great, great atmosphere to take into the OVC tournament. And it could be the difference in playing Thursday or playing Friday with the OVC's buy and double buy system. Both of these teams are still alive for the double buy, and if both take care of business the way they probably expect to on Thursday, Saturday is the difference between an extra day of rest and having to play a day earlier and have the short turnaround and not have as fresh a leg. So a lot could be on the table come Saturday night. For the women's team also hosting – or also not hosting, also traveling to – I was going to say, I <laughs> yeah. thought we were done. No, wait. <laughs> traveling to Eastern Kentucky and Murray State. Uh, Thursday they take on Eastern Kentucky, who by pretty much all accounts is terrible. Um, I mean, they, they – they yeah, are, yeah, they're bad. They have not won an OVC game this year, and they are at least – I didn't have this verified, but at the the last time I've seen this, they are only one of two teams – they might be the only one now, but they're only one of two teams to not defeat another Division One women's basketball team. Their two wins came at home against – I think one was Brescia and one was like Kentucky Christian or something like that. Uh, so both NAIA schools. Um, now, one thing Eastern Kentucky does have going for them – is that their leading scorer in, in what is probably one of their two best players in Abby Wright has missed pretty much the entire conference season. She played against us. She played the next game after the opening conference weekend and then missed all the, all the games up until last weekend where she's you know come on strong and, and done well. Um, so And they've actually played those couple games kind of close. They even had a double-digit lead at Jacksonville State. Oh, okay, yeah. So you're talking just last weekend. Yeah. Okay, because I saw when they were the game ahead of us the week before up in Moorhead. Yeah. Hoo-wee. That yeah. was yeah, not, good. not pretty. Yeah. Um, they do have uh, Shay Solomon, who is a really explosive guard who, to be fair, even though the game was well in doubt by the halftime, um, she did give the Govs some problems in driving to the hoop because of her, her athleticism and stuff like that. But Abby Wright is a big gain for the for the Colonels and they definitely don't want to go the entire conference season winless so you talked about your game you know being a, a trap game Th- this could also be that too because all the pressure is on the govs here you are nine and seven in the OVC a win guarantee a win and in either of these two games guaranteed you a spot in the OVC tournament there's still a way you can climb into the top four um, so you have to win this game, really, and all, you know, because, I mean, let's be honest. You don't want to lose to a team who is 0-16 in the conference. You just don't want to do that. Um, I think it's kind of incredible how much is still at stake 
across the league in terms of the the women's yeah. standings this weekend. I, we could – there is a non-zero chance that we could be out yeah. if we lost both games and some things broke mm-hmm. wrong for the governors. But like you said, we could also get in the top four. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say the top four is definitely more likely than missing out. Um, you know, the easiest thing is to win one of these two games during the OVC tournament. Um Currently, the Govs sit at 9-7, and seven, which is fifth place in the OVC. You have Murray State, who we play Saturday, is 8-8 eight eight the OVC, as well um, as, okay, I can't remember the other team. Uh, SIUE and C-Mine are 7-9. and nine. Um, Boy, this is going to make yeah. for some riveting Whew. podcast listening. Whew. I cannot, well, there's five teams going. we got these little things in our pockets that tell <laughs> us anything we want to know if we just... You just you just keep on prattling away. I'll find this. All right. Well, assuming they take care of business against Eastern Kentucky, they go to Murray on Saturday, and that is the big one. Murray State, as I said, only a game behind the Governors, um, so it it could end up as you know the the racers trying to jump um, the Governors for seeding purposes. They have you know the leading scorer and rebounder in the OVC and Evelyn Adebayo, who was you know held to sixteen and nine just a couple of weeks ago here in the Dunn Center, which is a great stat line, but she's averaging like 18 and 13 a game. I mean, um, she can really do everything. She can rebound, she can score, she can shoot the three. Um, the Govs did a good job of her in the second half, only allowed her to score two points, but you have what is presumably a, an all-newcomer pick in both Adebayo and freshman Macy Turley, who averages about 14 a game. Um, and then you have Janika Griffith-Wallace, who um, also averages in double figures and... Um, scored, I think, 22 on the Govs the, the last time out. So it was over 20 points, and and she was uh, a big reason. Like, they shut down out of bio and didn't allow Tully to go get to the rim, but they had no answer for Griffith Wallace in the second half. She had 14. Uh, Murray State, not the best uh, in terms of keeping the ball and not turning it over. Um, they will cough the ball up to the Govs to um, be able to capitalize on that. And I think if they're able to, they there's no reason why they – cannot go 2-0 and this week, and if they go 2-0, and there's a pretty good chance they can be in that top four based on the, um, the schedule for, for this weekend. Jacksonville State was the other Jacksonville State, there we that go. Was it. By the time we do this again, maybe in Evansville, depending on when the women uh, are slated to play in next week's OVC tournament, too. Assume that whatever you see regarding baseball is mostly a guess. <laughs> we are currently pegged to pay a visit to Indiana State this weekend. If the weather in Terre Haute takes a turn, wouldn't be surprised to find us back in the hand for another weekend. Uh, Also, definitely, you know, weather obviously permitting, be back Tuesday evening to take on Lipscomb at RCHP. The first weekend was pretty rough against Kentucky. The second, considerably better. It will be interesting to see what is in store here in week three for the Governors now that Parker Phillips has kind of come on a little bit. Garrett Spain keeps hitting. Uh, Last weekend, because of the, I think because of the weather and the cold and the super altered (laughs) start times, uh, we didn't get to see the pitching turn loose like you might have expected. But this weekend uh, should be a little bit better if everything goes according to plan. And after an unexpected week off, tennis is back in the swing of things this week. <laughs> and, and I'm reading that straight off the script, and even in parentheses is an ode to his own <laughs> script writing. Ah, uh, 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 clever. Uh, uh, so clever. 
And you, you could use that for golf, too, or, or baseball or yeah, but, softball. But, but golf's not in the swing, and they also didn't get a week off. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll use it for golf. I'll, <laughs> I'll use it for golf when the women return after a month off. How about that? Yeah. Well, for the men, they are the only team in action at home uh, this week or weekend. They host Southern Indiana on Friday, a team they defeated last year on the road by a score of 63. They played by NCAA Division II rules, so the doubles counted uh, individually instead of one uh, instead of the the one point. Um, both the men and the women will travel to Kennesaw State on Saturday, and then both will be down in Florida on Monday. The women take on Stetson, and the men square off against Bethune-Cookman, which I'm pretty sure is close to Stetson. Um, it's somewhere in Florida. Yeah. And with the, unexpect, with the unexpected break, it's going to be interesting to see how the Govs do. Um, I, I'm particularly interested to see how the women do with not having match action for a while and being 7-0. And, and, you know, are they going to get maybe complacent and think, oh, well, we're 7-0 and, and, you know, we're just going to come out and, and win. You know, the, you can't think like that, uh, you know, whether and whatever caused the matches to be delayed. You, you just have to... You know, focus up for that next week of practice. You know, we've all had, or all athletes have had delays and cancellations, postponements. You just have to deal with them as best as possible and, you know, get refocused to play. Um, I don't think it will necessarily affect them so much, but it will be interesting to see if, you know, maybe they get off to a to a rough start on both sides because they haven't played an actual tennis match and, you know, now the better part of, of two weeks almost. So it um, be interesting to see that. Softball. I love what schools decide to name these in-season tournaments. Uh, my favorite so far is the Chanticleer Showdown, which is where the softball program is headed for Coastal Carolina's home tournament this weekend. They open with Radford at 8.30 a.m. <laughs> on Friday, followed by UNLV immediately after. They play Coastal Carolina and Jacksonville on Saturday and then get an 8.15 a.m. rematch with Radford on Sunday. How an athlete can be at peak performance at 8.15 or 8.30 in the morning is just beyond me, but I guess that's why I do this and they do that. I don't I don't see how you can be doing anything at the height of your capacity to do it at that time of morning, but maybe that's just me. And for, you know, poops and grins, let's tack a trip to Ole Miss next week, next Wednesday onto this week because, you know, they don't, they haven't. Yeah. They haven't had enough to do here so far. In that and, they need, and they need more road games. Absolutely. <laughs> um, for community service opportunities, you need to go see Haley Jacoby. Um, all these good opportunities are just out there for you, including Bird School, the First Christian Church, and Mana Cafe. Also, Read Across America is March 1st, which is very soon. March is really coming up. This is this this it year's been going tomorrow. by fast. Or yeah, the day after tomorrow. Well, it, it I guess it Something depends. Like that. I guess it depends on when you listen to this. It could be in the past, depending on if yeah. you're a few episodes behind. Also, March kicks off the Buddy Ball basketball season, which runs from March the first. Which again, we're not sure of the actual date, but it's soon to April 26th, and is a great opportunity to interact with some awesome people and touch their lives. Um, the big event, Austin P's yearly on-campus service initiative, is scheduled for Saturday, April the sixth. So it's a little time out it's a little far out but again uh, we've mentioned in the past couple of podcasts now so if you're a regular listener uh, you should have that marked on your calendar already if you want to be involved in the peer mentoring program for athletics apply by march 1st which is when everything starts ends or is due i'll put a link in the show notes if you haven't already found that and want to be involved 
Service trips to Memphis, St. Louis, and Nashville are available during spring break, so obviously you can get at Combs or Haley or just about anybody down in academic services, and they will help you out with that. As for us, get in touch, stay in touch via web and social media. We're at Dylan. Let's go P.com is our official website for everything about the governors uh, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, also uh, at Let's Go P. And you can also follow each individual team account on Twitter at their respective handle. Um, shout out to Taylor Wiseman of Video Services and Tyler Davis in digital media. They're going to have some, some great stuff for us on those social media outlets and on the website of the OVC tournament approaches as well as the start of uh, baseball and softball season. Let's go P.com for dates, news, and stories. Dylan, Cody Bush, Stephen DeLay, and myself working tirelessly, ceaselessly, round the clock during crossover season to keep you informed and up to date. And if you need some OVC tournament tickets, it's not too late. We have some. Katie Locke and Sydney Hooper, they have you covered iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, directly on the website at letsgop.com slash podcast. That is where you can find us. Give us a rating and review on the podcast. And if you'd like to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out. Or just offer us some affirmation that somebody is listening to this nonsense. Tweet at us. I am at CWilson225. He is at Dylan Schwartz, and we will talk to and or about you next week. Mama, she keep looking at me. I'ma knock the bombers out like white, like. Hit it with a.